Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Elixir Mix. And this week on the panel, we have Alan Weimar. Hello. Adi Angar. Hello. And me, Sasha Wolf. And we have a special guest, and that is Cohen von Gilst. So why don't you tell us, Cohen, why you're on the show, and that you're like a big fan of the show, and what we've already heard, <laughs> and what we're going to talk about today. Yes, hello, uh, my name is uh, Koen van Gils from the Netherlands. I'm a front-end developer, I can be working at Rabobank. I, I specialize in uh, React, but I also know some uh, Svelte. And recently I've started exper experimenting with Elixir and uh, Phoenix, and I'm particularly interested in uh, Phoenix Live View. So uh, yeah, I think that's why I'm here. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you wrote a little bit of blog post about some live view stuff. And I mean, live view is a topic which is very hot in the Elixir community in general because it is a fairly new approach to some of these paradigms. But yeah, like you, you had this newbie uh, quotes perspective on it and like like basically exactly, yeah. showed off okay well what, yeah. what's happening here what is there to learn what is there to do and how does all of that yeah. fit together yeah i wrote a tutorial on uh, what's well, actually not on uh, live view it's it's using just phoenix and phoenix channels but i am interested in live view but before i started started using live view i thought it might be interesting to just first time with just presence and, and channels to see what problem life will ac actually tries to solve. So just f first feel the pain and then see what solution actually brings to the table. Um, so um, what I usually do when, when I'm learning a new uh, language or uh, framework, I, I start with uh, an idea for a feature of an, or an app. So, and that's what I did here as well. And the feature I wanted to build was something I call live cursors. And it's something you you often see in uh, in design programs where you have a document open, and then the other when a user joins, you could see his or her cursor moving around. You could see your own cursor, and then that really gives you a feel that you're collaborating on that same document, and you, you can you can point to things. And uh, I think it's a it's a fun feature, but it's it also works really well when uh, when you're collaborating you know, with colleagues. So um, that, that seemed like a, a very a good fit for Elixir, the Beam, and uh, and Phoenix. So uh, I started building that using not using live views. So I really had to hold off on that one, and I tried to build it with just channels and uh, presence. And I tried to keep it as simple as, as as possible, so that I could also explain it once I have got a, a feeling for it, and to keep the tutorial short. Um, um, uh, and I, I think it, it worked really well because uh, at first, the first part of the tutorial, I use only the, the channels, and then you could see. So when a, a user moves his or her cursor, you could you would send an event to the server, and that uh, gets updated then on the client again. But then when when a user joins or leaves, then you would yeah you wouldn't yeah you wouldn't see him anymore. And if if a user has not moved for a while, you wouldn't even you wouldn't see him either. So for that, you would need something like uh, Phoenix Presence, where you keep track of which users are there, and you could also store some state in that. So the coordinates of uh, where the user is, the name. So the second part of the tutorial goes into detail in how to store. That those properties in the, the presence uh, module. So that I'm I'm writing the second part of the tutorial right now, and I, I've already done like the implementation, which is when I do the same thing with Phoenix Live View to see how that simplifies things and how that uh, would work with Live View. Yeah, nice. Yeah, you know that the mention. I remembered again that we talked so much about Live View before starting. I was assuming it was Live View, but nah. 
the radio did present in channels. The old-fashioned way, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, like, exactly. I, I, I'm joking a little bit because like, channels, of course, still have their value. But in that kind of context, like uh, I feel a lot of people are now reaching for live view. So it, make, it makes sense to go down that road. And like, I have to actually to admit, I've never used presence before. Like, I know it exists, but I've never had a use case for it yet. So it's kind of kind of nice to, <laughs> to see that that it has value and like, use channels use though. Yes, I've, I've used a lot of channels. channels. I've used channels, so but never, never, never presence. You never wanted to track how many people were actually in a channel? Nah, that has not happened yet. But I mean, the, the context I've used channels was more for the WebSocket side of stuff than the uh, than the classic, I don't know, channel scenario of like, for example, chat rooms or whatever. So yeah, but that's just me. Um, so did you already then, like from what you just said, Cohen, you already tried out a little bit with live view. So can you already like, give like a short uh, glimpse at how the experience was different from like using a channel, writing some JavaScript to hook it up, right? Like writing some some boilerplate glue to then update HTML because like all of that is necessary when, when you go down this classic route of having a WebSocket, having a server-side, ha having a client-side application, there's some JavaScript, there's some server-side stuff, in this case Elixir, and like there's a lot of glue going on. Yeah, I uh, I did. I finished the implementation yesterday so just to to get a feeling for how live view uh, how that would work. And uh, what what I noticed was when I was writing it without live view, you have to if you're building the feature on two fronts, like uh, you're building it in JavaScript and you're building it uh, on the server, and you have to keep track of state there. And then the state gets uh, pushed to the presence or the, the channels, and then you have to update the front end to make sure that gets updated performantly. And what I was currently doing on the front end, for instance, you, you just loop over all the the people that are present in the channel and you render all those. But you, yeah, you could do that more performantly. And I was also missing some of the the code structuring that uh, a front end framework brings to the table. So in React, you would have components and they really help to structure your code. So if your code base grows and the feature becomes more complex, then uh, a framework really helps. But I didn't want to reach for a framework because um, that's I wanted to try give a live view a try. So, I, I, but I did notice that if you want to make it more complex, you would need some kind of framework or some way of structuring the the front end code. Or and that's the the, the live view approach. Try to do this on the server. And uh, as I was building it on the server, I noticed that all the changes or all the the functionality that I had to make, you could do all the changes in a live view component. So. Almost all of the, the the code that I had to write were moved to the same place. So the state that you have to update, uh, the, the on-mount, the HTML, the CSS, or the class names, it's all in one place. And you don't have to look any further to to look what the feature does. It, and if you want to update the feature, it's all it's all there. So that I really like because that's also what what React brings to the table. You have, you have the encapsulation and all the, the the code necessary to make a feature work or a component work is in 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 one place. And that's also what Live View does. But it, it also adds something more because okay? you're doing it on the server, so you have access to all the things that live on the server, like the presence and the channels. And if you have a, if you would have a database, you would you're also very close to the database. So all that management of communicating with the systems that are on the back end becomes a lot simpler because you're close to those systems. And uh, you don't have to then up push those updates to the front end and do the same kind of updates and keep track of things there as well because that all lives in the Phoenix Live View component. So it's it, yeah, it seemed very promising. And it's still it's still a very it's it's uh, the way I build it now. It's it's one component. So I still want to test it out a bit more if you scale it up to more components, uh, more features. But I think it it brings with it the same uh, the same framework or this a way of building things as you do with React, like with the component model, and that scales really well. So it looked really promising. Yeah, so the components are relatively new in Live View. Actually, they haven't been along or around that long. There, there was like before they were integrated into the core of Live View. There was like Surface, which is like a library for Live View, which that goes down the component road way more than than what Live View did. But a lot of the ideas from there then basically were merged upstream into Live View. So I'm not sure which version it is exactly like components were introduced, but I'm pretty certain it's like 
relatively new. Before that, it was basically, okay. I mean, like you could, of course, then try to like handcraft like some of these uh, component ideas yourself, but well, you were left on your own, <laughs> which, which okay, could make it a bit more yeah. spaghetti if you didn't really know what you were doing and you had like a big life view template. So yeah, but are you talking about live? You talking about components versus live components, right? Because I think live components been around for a while, but components are new, right? Is that what you're talking about? Maybe I haven't used live view in quite a while. So yeah, yeah. So I think there's live component, which is kind of like a way to split out your reviews. Actually, I think Adi knows more about this than me because I talked about this before. Adi, you're right. I haven't used live component yet. Okay. So what I understand is like they're like stateless and don't really have much. So you have a live view, which has all of the logic. It's an actual process. And you have a live yeah. component, which is a way to kind of break things up. And then this idea of a component is basically like a partial that you can share between dead views and live views, if I understand correctly, because they brought this whole new template language called Heeks to the plate. Yeah, but Heeks is, I mean, that's, for example, Heeks is something which is not that old. It's like, it's around no, for... No, it's, it's pretty new, but so... From Surface, you got this idea of heaps yeah. and components. Yeah. From I forgot what his name is. I think he's another Brazilian guy. Sorry, not another like like we have so many, but you know he's he's a Brazilian guy. <laughs> I think he was working with Jose at uh, Dashbit. Yeah, I, I remember listening to stuff. It's it's pretty cool. Like I I'm still trying to get into all that, but I think it's it's radically different than a traditional style because you have like this like when you do a form, it's you have this dot syntax and the let and things like that. Yeah, it's it's a little bit weird. So Adi, I'm guessing you're playing with that right now, right? Because you're shaking your head like, yeah, it is weird. Yeah, it is weird. We, I mean, I guess we u- were using it initially, but then we decided to like uh, not go the entire live view route and only like, I think it's called like live isolated, like only use a chunk of our page as live view that mm-hmm. needs to be live. And in that way, you don't need, you don't really need components because your live views are very small and, yeah. you know, they're like more, you know, a single responsibility that way. So we haven't had the need to do any live uh, components step or device, split our live views into smaller components. Well, I think the big thing about Heeks, at least, is like the, the idea is that you always had L-E-E-X and you had E-X and then, or sorry, E-E-X. And the question was always like, well, what can I do in one and not the other? And then there was some things initially that you couldn't do. And then they finally came up with this kind of agnostic one called Heeks, right? Want to give a quick rundown of what exactly Heeks is about, Ellen? You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> no, Heeks, <laughs> I mean... I kind of didn't really understand the point of it, and I thought it was a little bit strange. But I, so I think the main point about Heeks is that so with EEX, the idea is that you can template out anything you want. There's the sky's the limit. You can do YAML files. You can do whatever. If I remember correctly, they use EEX to kind of generate files and stuff like that for like Phoenix Project. I think they do something like that. Yes, they do that. Yeah. Yeah. But with but the problem is that with this thing, you may get ending or closing tags of HTML and you want to be able to validate that. And so Heeks is like a strongly typed HTML slash maybe even XML. I'm not too sure. But for sure, HTML, like enforced kind of language where you actually have to close and open tags or else, you know, it's not going to compile. If that's what I understand. Yeah, that was my understanding as well. That basically, it's HTML aware. So like it, it yeah. knows that you're writing HTML and can tell you when you do something wrong in HTML. Because if you just use EEX, which is, which is, it, it's just that. It's a templating layer. You can also write Markdown or whatever. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't care. It yeah. only looks for placeholders and replaces those. And Heeks is definitely different there. I would use EEX to write PHP templates. So yeah, you I could, can definitely say it works. <laughs> you can do that. I mean, like at the end of the day, Elixir does not care what you put into EEX. Probably, I don't know, like if you wanted to like create binary blobs, I don't know why the hell you would do it. <laughs> like, in theory, it's possible. Like it doesn't really care. So yeah, but Heeks is like this HTML aware answer. And I think it makes a lot of sense, to be honest, because yes, down the road, you can still say, hey, but what if I want to, I don't know, like do Markdown? And then you still can reach for EX. But I guess in day-to-day development and like backend development, HTML is king, right? It's the, the language all the browsers speak. It's like every, it's like we, we natural interface to the World Wide Web. And so why not make that developer experience a bit more streamlined? And then especially when you compete in that space, I mean, as you already said, Cone, where it's like React or Svelte or Vue.js or whatever, all of these front-end focused um, frameworks, which also aim to make development of web apps nicer, then it makes perfect sense to say, hey, we want to make this whole development experience nicer and smoother. So Higgs seems like a like, like a no-brainer, to be honest. It was only a matter of time until something like that uh, ended up being being available. And, uh, the only thing I'm, I'm surprised about is like that it's, I think, also is, is Heeks now actually in like Elixir core or is it just live view? You mean Phoenix core? 
Phoenix core, yeah. I mean, well, we use we use Heeks for non live view templates as well. Okay. So yeah, so like I mean, now, now it's in Phoenix core. So yeah, I'm more surprised that it like actually ended up inside of Phoenix and not like in the user land, but not gonna complain. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that's a very very interesting tidbit there. And I mean, also like what you just said, Cohen. I think it's super interesting to see how live view goes through some of these evolution steps. And like I mean, in the beginning, it started off as like basically live views like which were already there in, in phoenix before and now it's like it spun off like a whole another evolution step where okay the, the community and especially around surface they realized hey like this whole component idea for front-end development actually not such a bad idea and now we have components inside of phoenix and inside of live view and that can use this pattern also for 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 backend side work even if you don't really go down the live view route. Like you can completely ignore live view and still now have the capability to do components in your dev views, so to speak. So it's yeah. really, really cool to see like how, how these two paradigms kind of like get closer, but also like learn from each other. Because I mean, there's like live view is just one of the um, approaches to like the server side updated rendering now out there. I mean, there's something in, in, in PHP, there's like Hotwire in, in Rails, which I, to be honest, I've not really understood until to, to this day. <laughs> it's like a bit, it feels a bit more complex <laughs> than Live View. But uh, yeah, there, there are a whole bunch of solutions which, which go down a very similar route to, to Live View. And I, which, which all like kind of got like the seed so to speak, planted by Live View, and like all of these, like are intermingling and inspiring them uh, each other to, to like do better, to do the next step. It's very exciting and like also very very fast. Like it, it kind of feels like this whole fastness of web development from JavaScript is bleeding a little bit into <laughs> the evolution of Phoenix Live View, but in the same way more responsibly because the Linux community tends to be very, hey, maybe let's not do things that quickly let's take it a bit more slow but it's like it's this middle ground where like a lot of innovation is happening in a short time which is why i mean for example i know that components exist i've never used them yet because my day-to-day work is slower <laughs> so yeah monologue and sorry yeah. <laughs> all right yeah, i just wanted I to make a correction the Higgs templing actually is part of phoenix live view not part of phoenix itself oh, okay so it's uh phoenix.template.engine or the behavior but just looking this up it seems so. That's Phoenix View. So that's really, really big. I took some time to research because Phoenix View was recently split off from Phoenix. I think sometime hmm. last year. But if you look at Phoenix Live View, there's Phoenix Live View HTML engine, which is the HTML engine that powers Heeks templates and the uh, H sigil. So that's where it seems to be. I guess so we're able to use it for non Live yeah. View then, probably because we have Phoenix with Live View. It's also yeah, I mean, exactly. I'm actually looking at the t- docs from Phoenix and in views and templates, it talks about Heeks. So I don't know. Hmm. Guess it's going to be a mystery, which we're probably not going to solve in during the recording of this episode. Well, I, I think it's interesting, uh, Sasha, what you said. Like I was looking at some of the uh, recent talks of Chris McCord, and a lot of the the things he talked about, the new concept, like slots, you would have them now, and which is kind of like a place where you put the child components. And there were some other things that I, I instantly recognized as a front-end developer, like, okay, this is what you have in a component-based framework. And also, he, he talked about um, his idea that the community would start creating component libraries that you could reuse. So you would have a modal, you could just get that modal, and you would not just have the HTML and the CSS, but also some of the state management like you have in React and Svelte. And also like the accessibility he was talking about. And that all is very recognizable for me as a front-end developer. Like if, if, you, if you go down that road, it, it can become very powerful. It's, uh, I think it's, it's what made uh, front-end frameworks so, so uh, popular. But they also have their shortcomings. So uh, I, it would be nice to, it's nice to see the, the framework model coming to the, to the backend and see what that could bring, uh, could bring us. Yeah, it's, it's an exciting development. It's, it feels like there's like a lot of learning happening from, from like the Elixir side or rather like the backend side around, okay, like maybe this whole way to build front-end applications is, is, is not, not such a bad idea after all. But at the same time, like the, the hesitation to do 
a lot of glue and then a lot of duplication because at the end of the day, like when you, for example, build an API, it doesn't be a REST or be a GraphQL, it doesn't really matter. Like you have to do a lot of duplication there. And if like where you say, okay, like these are the fields which are available and like now you need to handle them on both the backend side and on the front end side. And, like and all of that stuff is necessary, but not really exciting. Like nobody gets paid to build REST APIs. You pay to like solve business problems, right? And the whole notion of especially live view and of like bringing the, these, these concepts into the, the server side, like removes this whole layer of glue code, which is necessary. I mean, as, as you already said, like you can basically, it's very convenient to access all the things which are available on the backend side. And you don't have to consider like, how, how do you bring that to the front end? And it's also like, I mean, unless you're like a very big company with like multiple teams, where like one team maybe handles the backend side, another team handles the front end side, and that's also like super big projects, then of course it might make sense to follow like a well laid out specification. But then you know, like a small shop, you like want to build this thing like with like I don't know three or four people, then that's a level of complexity you bring on board if you go down the classic so to speak single page application route, which well it will slow down your development uh, speeds. It's just it's a matter of fact, like there's no way around it. And at the end of the day, I mean, it also might lead to scenarios where you like maybe take quick shortcuts because, oh, I don't have that information available here. So maybe let me just hard code the list of IDs. And I, I, I've seen all of these things happen. Yeah, I've, <laughs> like, I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> and like, if you, if you have the capability to say, okay, like I'm basically close to the source and this is like a source of truth and this is not like split between two code bases. It, removes a whole layer of potential friction. So, um, yeah. yeah. I I mean, I'm not sure if Chris McCord said it himself, but I've definitely seen it mentioned by people that, like, basically, Live View is not here to kill single-page apps, right? Like, that's not going to happen. But it basically is, like, this thing which can sit very comfortably between, hey, I just need, I don't know, like, I'm going to sprinkle some jQuery on top to animate some things, and I'm going to go down the full single-page application route of, like, all of the shebang and all of the front and in-browser uh, interactivity, for example, offline mode or whatever. Um, but like this thing in between, where you say, okay, I have like some non-trivial things I'd like to do in like interactivity and live updates on the browser level, but I don't really go want to do the full buy-in into like all the complexity which I bring on board. If I, for example, go with something like Re- React or Vue or Svelte, but and also having to build the backend side because both of these things then become necessary. So it can like kind of sit in between. Where I say, okay, I don't know, I I want some interactivity, but I I don't need to get totally crazy about it. That's that's where I personally have always like put life view like in this. This the solution for for the thing in between, so to speak. Yeah, I, I think I've been looking at some of the recent things he said, and I think he's more ambitious than that. But I think he he wants to because he recently did a project called Live Beats. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a it's a it's a full blown single page application where you can do a lot of things, and you can you can listen to to music with your friends, and you can play it and stop it and. And I think he, he hopes that with Phoenix Live View, you can build almost anything you could also build with Svelte or React, but then keep it all on the on the server and uh, keep the, the yeah keep it simpler to build it as as and uh, with a small team. So uh, yeah, I I think it's it's more than a simple interaction. I I think he wants like do the same things you can do with the Spa, but with Elixir and Phoenix Live View. I and I am also curious if if that is actually possible, and that's why I'm also interested in it because i like building really complex uis with where you can do it it feels like a real application not a website it's a real application and uh, react is is good at, at that but i still feel the pain where you have to there's always the restful api you have to up, send updates to and you get new information from and every time you need something you need another api call and that really gets is really frustrating especially if that's if you're not also the one that's building the api then that slows you down enormously and yes, if you could yes. just yeah do that yourself on the server and keep that all in in your domain of control that could really speed things up yeah. and, and make th- things simpler too hi this is charles maxwood from top end devs and lately i've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and 
having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. I feel like the, the like the effect on some of the, the projects out there and some of the communities is not is comparable probably to like when Rails first landed. Like when Rails first landed, it was also, oh my God, API development or like view development, uh, HTML apps development becomes so much easier. This is so simple, right? And this is like kind of similar thing happening here like okay now, now i want to build this, this complex front end thing but now oh, it's so simple i just need to do this one thing i still like i mean i, I do think if life you really takes off and i mean it kind of already has taken off to a certain degree but if it takes off even more and gets like more mind share in, in the in the dev community then i i certainly can see that like some of the things which were traditionally assigned to single page apps become things which can, can now be done in life view but but i mean there's like a certain certain level like a hurdle which life you can never overstep unless there's like some major crazy things happening where like i don't know like transpires to web assembly or whatever be for example offline mode like offline mode is something you can do easily in life you just have a nature of a paradigm and like some of the apps like the web apps out there do that very very successfully i mean if i'm personally for example regularly using notion and that thing works decently well offline but like that's not something you can do easily with, with life for obvious reasons because everything is on the service side yeah, yeah. so yeah I, when I said, for example, that it's not here to kill single page app, it was more of like there. It was certainly aiming for some of a mind share because I do personally, as like a backend dev, I feel single page apps are everywhere and even maybe some places where they don't need to be. But because there's no really good alternative. And on the other side, I think like there is still like certain problems which are well solved with single page apps, but maybe not all the things for which they are used nowadays. So that's what I what I was hinting at earlier. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, I, I think single page apps are, are here to stay, but everyone developing single page apps with front end people are aware of the shortcomings of that and uh, all, all of the things you have to do to, to keep the state and the database in sync. So uh, everyone is looking for better ways to do that. And a lot of that is happening in JavaScript land with server side frameworks like Remix and, yeah. and all of that, all that, that kind of stuff. And uh, server, server side components like React has. Um, that's felt kit. But I think uh, what Phoenix Live View brings to the table is, is also something worth investigating. It, I hope to learn more about it. It kind of goes it from another direction, right? Because I mean, some of these um, server side approaches have like Svelte, Svelte, how is it called? Svelte kit? Or I don't remember. Yeah, Svelte, like, they, yeah. they basically try to bring Svelte to the server, right? Like that's, that's the idea. And like Elixir <laughs> and for Live View go it from the other way around. Like, what if we bring the backend to the front end, so to speak, right? Like what, what if we bring all the tools we have for backend developer to bring it to the front end world? So yeah, like two solutions to the same problem, but like they go very differently about it. Yeah. So Adi, like, some... I wanted to ask, like, with your new stuff you're working on, like, is there like some, how, how big is the front end component there? Like, what exactly are, are you doing in your like new gig you're working on in the system you already, already spoke? Me? No, Adi. Or Adi. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, just uh, yeah, r real quick. It's it's basically like an electronic medical record, so like uh, because we're, we're a healthcare company, so just like a healthcare interface for our specific use case, um, more around like orthodont orthodontistry. So like you know a little bit more complex, like like uh, like you know someone to like upload scan of their teeth and stuff like that. So we th there is pretty good front end component, but I mean we haven't had the need to do something crazy yet. There's a, there are a lot of live live small live views. Um, <laughs> some of them are very interesting <laughs> because again, uh, certain things are uh, a lot harder to do with live view than just a simple JavaScript. But we were adamant about using live view for everything, so it keeps it keeps it easier to test things and like it add any dynamic behavior to the page in a very uh, structured, similar way. So it's very standardized across all our applications. I have a very quick question for Cohen, actually. So you mentioned you uh, translated the the cursor tracker app from presence to live view. I was curious, like, what all things you used. I I don't think there is like a hook, at least for like mouse move, <laughs> right? No, yeah, so, like, exactly. Yeah, I'm yeah. just I'm just curious about those details. Yeah, yeah, that's also something I was wondering about before I started building it because you have these these standard Phoenix bindings, I think they're called. So there's an on click uh, you can add and uh, submit, uh, but there's none for uh, mouse move, like you said. But I discovered there's something called a GS hook, I think, 
and there you can say there you can do anything. So, so in a GS hook, you can add like an event listener uh, on the client side, and you you first define that hook in the, in the app.js file, and then you say like listen for this mouse event, and if there's a mouse move, then send this message to the server using this channel. Um, so there is there's an escape hatch that you sometimes need in uh, in in a live view component that are the GS hooks. But I was really glad I, I found that because it would be bad if you don't have that escape hatch and that some things are not possible. But you can always use that escape hatch to, to write some a, a little bit of JavaScript that does what you need on the client and send that as an event to the server and handle it there completely on the server side. So there, in the in the new implementation, there's there's still some JavaScript left that I had to write. But I, I think that's fine. You always need some some bits and pieces you need to do on the client side. Uh, you don't have to cover all of it. That's great. So, yeah. so when you say the JS, like you mean the custom hook that you, or is it like a new? I know there's a JS dot hook. There's a new module. I talk about that. Or I talk oh about yeah, no, no, it's not that one. It's yeah, the it's, client side it's also custom. Hook. Yeah, the client right. side hook. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah, cool. yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and pre- um, I'm still using presence in in the new implementation with Live View because you're using the uh, presence module, but you're only using it on the server. So. You're doing all the yeah all the all the logic there and rendering there and then you send it to the client. That makes a lot of sense. Yes, I'm actually curious, Cohen, like from you because I mean, for obvious reasons, Alan, Adi, me, we we all have a very server side perspective on on things and on live view. I mean, where do you see like live view going, or where would you maybe wish it would be going, or maybe where are you afraid it would be going because it puts you out of a job? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is your perspective? It's like more the front end developer on some of these develop on some of these changes and some of these um, innovations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I started learning about Elixir and and Phoenix to broaden my horizon because I've been doing JavaScript for a long time and I like it, but there's more out there, and I, I wanted to to listen to see how what other languages have to offer and other frameworks. So that's why I started learning this. But now that I'm I've broadened my horizon. I also get more excited about Elixir and, and Phoenix. And I yeah, I still want to investigate it a bit more. But what I really like is that you can use like a really nice language server side. So, I mean, you can write anything you write in, in Elixir. You can also write in JavaScript. But in Elixir, it's, uh, it generally looks a lot better. So it's almost like, uh, oh, I, this, this looks like poetry. <laughs> and in JavaScript, it's almost like, yeah, it does the job. But uh, I can't make it any prettier than this. So, um, so from, um, as a, as a programmer, I think you, you would really like to, to be able to daily use a, a nice language like Elixir. So that, that would be a big plus. But uh, like I said, it, it would also be nice to have all the, the power you have on the back uh, the backend side at your fingertips as a front end. So it's usually it's it's very hard to do you know, simple things in in the spa environment that are, used to be very uh, easy in, when it was all still full stack. So like connecting to the database and getting something out of the database is is, is a lot more difficult if you're solely front end front end developer. And with channels and presence and all the other features that Phoenix has to offer, you, you can you can do a lot more as a developer and do it more quickly. And so that would also be a big plus for me because that makes your client happy. Uh, and if you have private pro- uh, projects like hobby projects, you can more easily develop those as well. So I, I think it's, I hope it succeeds uh, so far. But I, I want to investigate it a bit more to see what it can do and what limitations are because I've, I've not experienced those yet. You're Are you start switching sides now? <laughs> <laughs> Are you not aware there were sides? <laughs> yeah, there's, well, there's, there's definitely there's people, others. Yeah, there's people more focused on the back end and there's people more focused on the front end. I'm, I'm definitely going to switch side there because uh, I like working close to the product and close to the users. But if I can make my users happy, happier, easier, then I'm definitely interested in that uh, technology that can make that happen. But if you can be happier, yeah, <laughs> go on. Yeah, well, yeah, writing Elixir has made me happy. I'm also doing um, the exorcism uh, course where you solve these uh, little problems. In, nice. Uh, uh, using Elixir. I really like those uh, the problems, but also I like the solutions that uh, other people have come up with. And, uh, and that's where um, Elixir really shines. So that, that's uh, It's a nice language. 
So you can play the game of create as many apps as you can without using any if statements. It's a lot of fun. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> it's nice yeah. Every time I see somebody write an if statement in Elixir, I'm like, do we really need that? Because I'm sure there's a better way to do this. Just one line if. No, I think that that doesn't seem right. To be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly only using if or unless for like, okay, I'm going to raise an error here. That's like basically the only use case where I use if or unless. Templates. Ah, yeah, fair enough. Templates. Templates are also like probably. I've not been writing that much templates lately, so that makes Come a lot on, of sense. Come on, guys. You use a cond, man. What's wrong with you? I use cond everywhere I can now. Forget if else. Just go right, right for cond. You don't know cond? No. No. Con? <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm all for if else over cond if there's only two conditions. Exactly. More readable. Yeah. Well, actually, but I have one more question, like from this from this front end perspective, Cohen, because especially because I mean, I'm I'm currently working at a company where we do have um, some backend folks. I'm I'm one of them. We have but also some front end and some mobile developers. But I'm actually interested in like maybe bringing some of like the front end people like on board with the idea. For example, like we have this, this admin AP admin interface thing, which is currently written in view, and arguably it doesn't need to be written in view. Like there's like no reason only. In, like, internally facing, right? And I have this sneaky plan to like maybe replace it down the road with some live view things. And I, but I I want to get buy in from like my colleagues, right? I don't want to tell them like, hey, we're going to remove this thing you're working on. Like it's not the only thing they're working on, obviously. There's also with like a website facing, user facing stuff. But still, so how do you think as the Elixir community as a whole, or like we as a developer specifically might want to go when we like say, hey, we, there is this thing like the Elixir community and it's basically trying to like cut off some mindshare from single page apps and let's maybe try it out but without them feeling threatened, right? Because I don't want to tell them like, hey, the, the, you, this thing you worked on, or you maybe like even kind of like it. To be honest, in this case, I'm pretty sure they don't, but still, <laughs> still like how, how can we maybe get better like and you know, communicating like, hey, we're not going to here to replace you, but like maybe let's let's do this together, you know? Let's make all of our lives easier. Yeah, um, yeah. It depends on the person, of course. But I think most front-end developers are also curious in what else is out there, and they will probably not feel threatened because there's uh, there's too much work for all of us. So uh, <laughs> that is true. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, if you can uh, can tell them that there's something new and it's uh, it's it's exciting, that that's a big plus. And if you say yeah, I can probably make our lives easier let's give it a try most developers are pretty easy to convince to to try something new and to be honest i think with the new component model i think they will feel at home quite quickly so uh, that makes sense so probably like focus on the similarities and like the things it eases right that's that's what you're saying yeah so there's there's, if you show them that like this is how we define a component there's an on mount uh, where you assign some state here you do state updates and they were like that's just like a view or react component it's the same so i think you can onboard them quite quickly then and they they would have to learn a new language but that uh, a lot of developers uh are into that and doing that if, if they can do it uh, in the, the boss's time. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask a question for Sasha if they already know Elixir or not. No, they, they don't. But I mean, like, I know that like one of the colleagues is interested in like fiddling with art because I mean, we also kind of went ahead with like good good examples where we just said, okay, like there are some changes we need to make to the app interface in the context of some feature development and we just did them ourselves because i'm not <laughs> i'm not going to be bothered by saying okay now i'm going to create a ticket of this trivial thing we're changing just to, because i don't want to touch javascript like and I'm, like I'm all all holy and mighty like no i want to stay in my elixir land i'm not going to touch javascript like i mean that's obviously not going to foster trust <laughs> so uh, i hope that was already a good sign of like a goodwill to say okay hey here that we've done some we're not too good to like touch touch the code base ourselves but maybe down the road let's try out this thing it's it's easier simpler like I'm, i mean it, it might become a bit difficult like on the business side because this is literally api panel two and i don't until to this date i have not understood why api panel one was, was deprecated and now there's api panel two my from from what i've heard like from historic reasons at some point years ago they were basically there were two front developers who had nothing to do because i don't know like website development was not, not, not there was nothing happening there so we were like Ah, let's build a new iteration of the admin panel because for reasons that's like lost to be to be ages. So I don't know for sure. But yeah, I mean, maybe down down the road I'll, I'll make like a like an elixir workshopy thing for for colleagues to say, hey, 
I'm gonna let, let me showcase this thing. It's pretty cool. Like it, it solves a whole of, whole host of problems we nowadays have in backend development, and it even has like this cool thing where it can build everything server side, even with interactivity, and don't need to build two code bases and don't have to have this complexity, right? Like let's, let's check it out. So maybe that can give me like a nice little introduction into into the into the topic and get some buy in. Because I think um, if we want to go down that route of saying, okay, like some of the admin interface stuff can be very lot simpler on the eye view instead of having two code bases, then it would make sense to get like buy-in from more people than just the backend team. Yeah, yeah, it is. I do wonder about that a lot lately because the question, why do we have uh, single-base applications? Like, why do we have this split between front-end and back-end? And so far, we've all approached it like uh, like a technical problem and a technical solution. But uh, it could be that it's mainly just about the division of labor. Like you have uh, like people that are solely responsible for the front end. They do that uh, their part. Then there's the back end. Then there's the database team. And everyone has at, at this assembly line. Everyone has his, his or her a part to play. And that's that's a good solution. But uh, I personally, I feel frustrated that for a feature to uh, to become reality, you need all these disciplines. And if you're constantly waiting at colleagues uh, to be ready with with their part of the uh, assembly line, then it's not really speeding up your work. So, so yeah, maybe I'm not really sure. Maybe that's also part of the reason, like the division of labor that we have single page applications. Yeah, I I do think there's there is room for single page application in the context of like some of the things solved right now in the front end ecosystem, especially when it comes to accessibility and like also when like having this crush or crossover with design. There's a lot there's a lot of complexity hidden there underneath all of the shiny UI, so to speak, right? And on the same side, I mean on the back end side there's like a lot of complexity hidden underneath the GraphQL API or the REST API, where like, these consider caching and like scalability, like maybe some some things need to scale differently from others and need more uptime and all that kind of things. Like all of the invisible work which goes into powering our day-to-day apps. If you get really big, it, I do think it's so complex that arguably, except from like we note from like maybe some notable. Um, some some notable individuals, it's not really realistic that one person can do that all and they can know that all, to be honest. So yeah, I, I think it makes sense that there is like some some division there and just by by the by by us puny humans not being able to know all the things. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like uh there's still like that's only one end of a spectrum and there are small teams which build simple products which maybe don't need to go into all of these 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 topics super deeply, for example, admin admin interfaces, right? Like where you can probably make some some trade offs in terms of accessibility if you know that uh, maybe like your colleagues right now in this moment don't have a need for it, and maybe visit revisit it later when when other people get get on the team where you can say okay, like maybe let's not go super deep into like contrast or like all the, all that kind of topics and let's build something which for now solves the problem works and we can always visit it again later, right? And in these areas, it's a blessing when you have like a cross-functional team and everybody can touch everything and can everybody can can work on everything and i mean that's something but at that point it becomes a people problem not a technology problem and i feel like a lot of the time especially in in these discussions um we focus way too much on tech and at the end of end of the day we build social technical systems right like i mean some of the changes we do we do in systems and we do in in, in software cannot solely be explained by technology reasons but also by people reasons I don't know, like you, you switch over from, let's say, Elixir to Node.js. And then like you usually look at that and like, why did they do that? And then you look at, okay, who got hired? Who got on board? Okay, like some Elixir, some Elixir folks left because management changed. And there's a new CTO now, which hates Elixir for whatever reason. And that explains why the change happened. And that's a people reason. That's not a technological reason necessary. So yeah, I kind of went on a tangent here. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I think some of these separations are just due to both domains having a lot of under complexity hidden underneath, and a lot of these are people working on things they like and doing things they love. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who really like the work of TypeScript or JavaScript. I do not personally belong to them, but it's not my cup of tea, but that's okay. Um, different people enjoy different things, and at the end of the road, that's always going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, like now probably some smart people sit there and like, okay, like, but what if we like find an algorithm to solve this people problem? <laughs> 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 like technology and engineer it, uh, the problem, the people out of the equation. But yeah, 
at the end of the day, we, we are always people who will be working on, on tech software. So you can never really ignore that angle. I feel like unless you have something to add people, that's a, that's a pretty good note to kind of go over to picks. I mean, I'd love to talk about testing a little bit, but because we kind of touched on it early on, but happy to go to picks if uh, people don't have any that. I mean, Alan has his eternal pet peeve of testing hooks. In my view. <laughs> I'll get back to that someday. I haven't had a chance. I, I do a lot of live you recently. Go ahead. I do actually like to know, like, I mean, Cohen, it was like your, your tutorial kind of stuff, like your little projects. How much of that was like, or did you go with testing? Is that like a, an angle you explored in building the live view stuff? And if yes, did you enjoy it? Because I mean, like the testing story in front-end frameworks is like probably a little bit different, I guess, than that. You're asking me about my videos I make? No, no, I mean, asking Cohen, like from his oh, testing right. experience. <laughs> And, like, and you can also now say, like, I don't want to, to answer that question <laughs> to not, <laughs> to not uh, have, damage my integrity as a software developer. <laughs> I've not looked at uh, the testing files yet in, in my project, so I still have Fair to enough. look at it. But I, I know that for in the front end, in React land and in and the testing has improved a lot, especially with the components, because then with components, you have a, an input with the props and an output, which is the HTML, and you can do researches on that. So so I'm thinking that live you could offer something very similar to that. You have some inputs and then it, it outputs some HTML and you can do a search on that. So uh, I'm definitely interested in seeing how uh, how how Elixir and Phoenix solve that problem uh, and how how they structure that. But you can only learn one thing at a time, and uh, testing was not uh, the first priority. <laughs> I'm not going to blame you for this. Like for personal projects, yeah, that's that's usually the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> Anything specific you wanted to like get into, maybe Adi, like anything around testing? Just, just I know we have talked about live view and testing a couple of times. So thought we could strike the conversation again, but maybe it's too soon. Maybe let's wait for a little bit. Uh, an update, by the way, I did try. We talked about a Wallaby a while ago on this podcast. That did not quite work for us. I think it's the browsers that it works on wasn't quite stable. You have to be in a specific version, and it wasn't quite working on different platforms either. So uh, we're using. Our spec, uh, Ruby, actually, for browser testing, um, running it through Elixir, calling it through Elixir tests so we can run it, uh, hook it, hook into the sandbox uh, environment of repo, Ecto repo. But unfortunately, still looking for a good Elixir alternative for browser testing. Interesting. Okay. Is there like a ready-built solution for like going with our spec and browser testing or is this something like then you home build? Yeah, it's, it's called Capybara. Ah, um, I think it, I've seen it before, yeah. Yeah, I think Wallaby is kind of play on that name <laughs> but yeah okay folks then i'm going to transition us to picks because we're nearing the one hour mark and i always feel that's a good length on episode hey folks if you love this podcast and would like to support the show or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages then you're in luck we're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after christmas 2020 without the ads signing up will help us pay for editing and production and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium so just for your information, Cohen, because I didn't save it before, like picks are basically everybody can pick whatever they want. Like, I mean, Adi picks a bunch of video games. I did that too. I did pick some technological books, whatever. Alan usually picks Rust books, but he has been disappointing me there lately. <laughs> so like, yeah, just if there's anything like you want to shout out, you want to promote, then this is the right place and time for it. And maybe you, why don't you go ahead, Adi, and tell us what you're going to, what's going to be your pick this week? I'm disappointed, Sasha, that you said I pick a bunch of video games. I'm known for picking jobs, but. You're uh, true. But, jobs and, but I lately you also picked some video games. So like, right, that, that but, was on top of my head. But on point, I actually have a video game pick again today. I knew uh, it. <laughs> I mean, if you guys have been living on the rock and you haven't heard of or played Elden Ring, you should check it out. It is amazing. It's yeah, everyone should play it. It's it's an amazing game. So check it out. It's been a week and a half since it came out, and it's a great game. Uh, even though I've had zero time, I am happily giving up sleep to play that game. I have a few job-related picks, but this time it's on the other side. I have a few candidates who reached out through the podcast and through the mentoring sessions I do. I will not call them out individually here, but I will add links to their LinkedIn profile in the show notes. All of them are awesome. Um, I'll write a sentence about each of them. But yeah, if, if you are 
if you're looking for candidates for a job, uh, you should hit them up. Nice. So, like, I guess we, we got the full package today, right? <laughs> we got video games and stuff related. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Alan, what are your picks of the week? I have to go back to what I usually do. I found a nice Rust book that was really nice. Rust Brain Teaser has been really interesting. So if you've been playing around with Rust and kind of wanted to find out some pretty interesting things, it's definitely really good. Like you'll be quite surprised. I was surprised about maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe a third of the time because some of the stuff just makes sense, right? Like numbers wrapping around if your integers too small when you try to add more to it, uh, this kind of stuff. But then there were some other things that just didn't quite make sense, but the uh, reading about it really helped it to make it quite clear. So that's a pretty awesome book. So that's kind of my big pick. And I'm happy to say that I am back to using LiveView, back to using Elixir for projects these days. I don't know what happened. Before I was all on Flutter. Now people have been looking for me for Elixir stuff. So I'm very happy that you know I'm back into the groove, back into Heeks, and finally running asynchronous tests with all my cores blazing away. It's beautiful having to have all your test space done in about a second. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, so I wasn't even re really aware that you were not that much going on in Land lately. I mean, you know you're into Flutter, but I, I wasn't aware that like Elixir-wise yeah, you were not doing a lot. It just, just happens, right? So I had, a, I had a really big client that was like really wanted to work with me on Flutter stuff and all of my other Elixir projects didn't have anything that we wanted to, to expand on. They were kind of just stable where they were. So it just kind of looked out like that. It's really weird. It's like a, just like a wave. So it comes and goes. But anyways, I'm back to this, so I'm really enjoying it. It's been a long time. Pattern matching is definitely the thing I miss the most. Yeah, that I can plus one on that. Like as, as soon as you like wrap your head around pattern matching and start to think uh, in, like as you start to embed it into like, how you solve problems, it's very hard to go back to languages which don't have it. It's very hard. Okay, my pick for the week is just one I've actually really struggled to come up with one, but now that we talked also about video games, Eddie, I'm going to pick a YouTube channel I'm very, very, very much enjoying for quite a while now. It's a Game Maker's Toolkit. And I guess a lot of people know it because there's a whole bunch of subscribers on YouTube, but it is a video game channel with a very high production value on game design things. And it's really 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 enjoyable to watch so if you're like even remotely into game design then game makers toolkit is like the youtube channel you should check out for sure so that is that is my pick for the week um cone do you have any picks for us well i've been i've, I've not been prepared for having my picks ready so <laughs> but i did i've recently started watching in in my uh, adventure in of learning elixir watching jose valims doing the advent of code series so he has uh, like video casts where he uh, solves those problems, and it's really enjoyable to watch him uh, do those things. It's uh, he vocalizes what he's thinking and how he's uh, approaching these uh, problems, uh, and he's pointing out some of the things like yeah, this is not optimal, but uh, I am fine with it. We're, we're, we're just going to keep it here. So it's it's not just I'm not just learning Elixir, but I also get to look over the shoulder of someone uh, who's really experienced in programming Elixir, and. Um, the solutions look really good. He's doing them in, in Lifebook, uh, I think it's called, and uh, which is also an, an eye-opener for me, what you can do with that. And one of the innovations that I see are uh, currently happening in, uh, in Elixir Lab. So that's really, I mean, it's a bit older. It's uh, from uh, last year, but it's a really nice series to watch. Yeah, yeah, I'm aware of it. I've never watched it because I'm personally not much of like coding video people things like when people are coding on on stream or video it's not just my nope that's not work for me <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah I, i've heard a lot of people say that it's pretty cool so yeah thank you for the pick and thank you for being on the show cohen so if people want to get in touch with you how would they do that i'm uh, at van gilst uh, as a uh, uh, so without any uh, so uh, v n g l s t so uh, that's my handle on the twitter and I can visit my website, which is www.cohenfangills.nl, uh, which will also probably be in the show notes. Uh, exactly, yeah. So that's uh, how they can reach me. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Yeah, like I said, it was, it was nice having you. And thank you for bringing this front and deep perspective into the podcast. I feel like that really added to like to the discussion. And yeah, thank you for for not being afraid to cross the border into backend land. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, then, yeah, tune in next time when we have another episode of Elixir Mix, people, and have a great day. Bye-bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.